0: Hey there, it's Gary Nurse. It's Friday, January 12, 2018. Welcome back to the Ion College Basketball Podcast, which is brought to you by Zip Recruiter. If you're hiring, understand that you can post your job. To more than a 100 job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. That's all it takes. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash ION. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash ION. Matt Norlander is here with me. And let's start with uh, what I think was the big news from the past couple of days, and that's that Brian Bowen Uh, The former Louisville uh, freshman has enrolled at South Carolina. For folks who are unfamiliar with his story, and I can't imagine that's anybody who is actually listening to a college basketball podcast, but still, um, he was a five star player, top 30 national recruit, uh, signed late with Louisville, enrolled at Louisville. Everything was cool until the FBI FBI investigation, which alleges that his father engaged in a pay for play scheme um, that resulted in. Uh, Rick Patino losing his job by extension, Tom Jurich losing his job and Brian Bowen being ruled ineligible by the university of Louisville. They did not even seek reinstatement at Louisville, but they did give him, uh, you know, an opportunity to, to, to remain in school if he wanted to, or transfer with their blessing. He has now transferred to South Carolina where, um, he's on campus and, um, I I guess, participating in basketball activities, but obviously not eligible uh, to play. Matt, you talked to Frank Martin about this, detailed the entire deal. You can find that at CBSSports.com. But just let's start with your general thoughts on the Brian Bowen situation.
1: My general thoughts on the Brian Bowen situation are that (laughs) – i think it's more likely than not that he does not ever play for south carolina but i don't think it's an impossibility uh spoke with a few uh coaches about this uh after the story came out and there's a general curiosity hey is is he gonna is he actually ever gonna see the floor here um i i i'm not sure now also, what happened on Thursday is the NCAA ruled Auburn's Austin Wiley ineligible for all of this season, and he will be eligible to play for next season. But if South Carolina fans are looking at that and saying, okay, Bowen has transferred, he's going to have to sit the year customary. The NCAA will review his case. But ultimately, if they rule that with Wiley, that should mean, you know, in about a year's time, hopefully, Bowen will be able to get on the floor. They are not parallel situations here, not by any means. And so don't take what the NCAA has done with Wiley and apply it to Bowen's situation because, frankly, the details aren't the same. And we do not know whether the NCAA will rule uh, in Bowen's favor in regard to having him having missed time with Louisville if it will affect uh, any sort of situation with South Carolina. Frank Martin told me there's going to be a penalty. I don't think that's exactly breaking news. They are expecting some sort of penalty. They just don't know when, and if we want to get into all that, that's fine. But, like, that's that's also in the story. Just, like, the fact that he's now enrolled, okay, is he actually going to see the floor? I detail the process there. The reason why, one, it's a news story, but the reason why I wanted to write this, and, and, and th- thankfully Frank, you know, picked up my call and and was willing to talk about this Um cuz he's not he's not a dummy like he he knew that doing this would bring on a lot of skepticism a lot of criticism and you know it's not a great look because he had a former assistant Lamont Evans arrested by the FBI when Evans had gone to Oklahoma state Martin did say That guy did nothing wrong when he was at my program. The FBI never subpoenaed us. That's been misreported. They did request to see my computer. They went through it, and that's all there is to it when it comes to the FBI and my program right now. it's still a rough look here and it makes Martin ripe for criticism. Um, he is not a coach with an absolutely squeaky clean plat past. Uh, he was, you know, when he was a, uh, a high school coach in, in Florida, uh, down in the Miami area, he got into some, uh, some issues there. He also defended himself in that conversation really wasn't appropriate to the story, but, um, basically said he was exonerated with all of that. But, um, it was surprising to see Bowen pick South Carolina. Uh, it came off as a little bit tone deaf, but, you know, I, I, I spoke with other people, not at South Carolina, you know, people, you know, around the Louisville program, coaches who also were courting Brian Bowen, and everyone said Bowen comes off as a genuinely like a good kid, overwhelmed by this. Some believe he truly did not know what was happening with his recruitment, I can't go that far because the nature of his recruitment from the get-go was considered the most hard to peg of any in his entire class. The guys who follow recruiting, and it is their job on a daily basis, had no reading on Bowen. And that in and of itself is a serious red flag. So I I, I cannot take Bowen at his word, and he has gone on the record saying that he did not know any about, anything about that. Um, but potentially, this winds up as a good thing for South Carolina, just in terms of maybe he ends up getting eligible. Uh, Bowen winds up being a great kid, and he's able to somehow turn his, you know, who the hell knows, GP, maybe in two and a half years, someone's writing someone's writing some sort of long feature about, you know, the stuff Bowen went through, and now look, at him like like, here are all the good things he's done. South Carolina's back, it's relevant, and all this stuff. I don't know. The one curiosity I had was, the timing of this is also interesting in that it is January 12th when we record this podcast. On January 20th, eight days from now, South Carolina in-state prospect, five-star freak Zion Williamson is going to make his choice. I don't think he is going to pick South Carolina, but if he does, I think the fact that they got Bowen, which might help push along some recruiting momentum If for some reason that happened, I think this would be uh, one of the biggest things there. But really the feel is that, you know, it's it's really, you know, Clemson, Kentucky, maybe UNC for Zion. But I think all these things happen, you know, coaches make these decisions with a lot of things in mind. Um, So that's my general takeaway. What about you?
0: Uh, I guess I would start with I've heard. Other people, uh, um, in addition to yourself, say that it's a bad look for Frank or a bad look for South Carolina. I'm not really sure that it is. Like, I, uh, because, I mean, you'd have to be crazy to be cheating to get Brian Bowen right now. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I can't imagine that that they did anything. Um, I, I mean, I don't want to say I can't imagine, but I'd be shocked if anything outside of the rule book happened to get Brian Bowen on campus at South Carolina. So, um he was always probably gonna enroll somewhere, and I don't know that it's necessarily a a, a a bad look. Like because somebody cheated to get him to go to one school doesn't necessarily mean I guess I should throw the word allegedly in there, doesn't necessarily mean that somebody cheated to get him to go to the next school, this school. So I, I perhaps I've just got a black spot here. Yeah, but yeah. it's
1: just it's just the fact and it's more I'd say just a just as much about Bowen, perhaps. You know, you leave Louisville and then there are only really seven schools attached to this FBI thing, some more directly than others. South Carolina just tangentially happened to be connected. That's all. That's all. Right. It just it yeah. was something that certainly I think has some coaches talking like, really, like he's going to go there because yeah, you know you had you know I- I've been told you know Baylor, Missouri, and plenty of other schools got emails and and you know Bowen's camp reached out to a lot of schools. Uh, it was just an interesting be- choice.
0: Yeah, I, I guess it just didn't bother me the way it seemed to bother some people. It didn't register w- with me that way. Um, so now he's at South Carolina, and the question becomes, is he ever going to play college basketball? From South Carolina's perspective, um, I, I think it's probably worth taking him regardless, because at, at worst, what are you doing? It's costing you a scholarship. You're actually helping a young person who, you know, if, if you s- sincerely believe he's a— He's a bright and decent young man. Then and and you do fancy yourself as a as an educator, which is the way Frank often describes himself and he did to you, then hey, you're doing a good thing for, for somebody you think's a good person. Whatever. Uh, and of course the upside is maybe he does get eligible someday. And that's a a, a prospect unlike you are typically able to get at South Carolina. I know that they've enrolled high-level recruits before. That's one of the ways they got to the Final Four last season. But South Carolina isn't typically historically uh, dealing with five-star guys. And so that's the upside. Um, Whether he ever plays or not, I'm not sure. And I don't think anybody's sure. I don't know how you could possibly be sure, because I don't know that we've ever had a situation quite like this. Um, Again, the allegations are that his father agreed to accept – I think the number is $100,000 in exchange for his son going to the University of Louisville. Um, Brian Bowen has said he knew nothing about that. Whether he's telling the truth or not, I don't know. But it's not completely unbelievable to me that he might not have been aware of what his father was doing. If only because if I try to put myself in his father's shoes – would you share that information with your son? I don't think I would. I don't think I would want my teenage son knowing that I am guiding him to a certain school simply because I can get $100,000 or or uh, me and his mother can get $100,000 um, in exchange for pushing him to that institution. Like I don't know that I'd be comfortable with my teenage son knowing that. And so I, it's not unbelievable to me that perhaps his father, if this went down the way the FBI alleges it went down, um, that his father kept that from him. On the other hand, you know Brian Bowen has said nobody pressured him to go to Louisville. Nobody pushed him to go to Louisville. And that seems unbelievable. That part does seem unbelievable to me because then why did you just randomly pick Louisville when nobody thought you were actually going to Louisville and they really didn't even recruit you um, as hard as many other schools did? By Rick Pitino's own admission, like this fell into his lap. He got a phone call saying, would you be interested in Brian Bowen? Well, why would Brian Bowen be interested in a university that barely recruited him? That, that has never made any sense. So either one of two things has to be true from my perspective. Either Brian Bowen knew what was going on and was playing along, or he didn't know, but still the people who had influence over him, his father, did did guide him in that direction in a way that he was either aware of and okay of with, or he was unaware of, but still you know he was manipulated to, to pick the University of Louisville. Either way. It is what it is. Um, usually, I have a strong opinion, or at the very least, I know exactly what I think about something. And I'm not sure I know exactly what I think about this because here, I'll just walk you through it. Obviously, it's a violation of the rules. Um, you know, you 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 can't have somebody who has influence over you accepting any payments, but especially six-figure payments in exchange for your signed national letter of intent. Um, you know, the NCAA has made that perfectly clear and if you allow him to play college basketball ever what you are essentially saying is hey, here's the playbook going forward mm-hmm. every, every parent of every five-star recruit in America you do whatever you want to do get as much as you can get for your kid to go to school somewhere odds are you won't get caught but if you do get caught just make sure that the young man, your son, knows to insist he never knew anything about it. And then, yeah, you'll probably have to face a penalty, but you can play college basketball eventually. And I think that's a dangerous place for the NCAA to go. To be clear, I hate the rules. If you want to change the rules, I'm all for it. You know how I feel about amateurism. But as long as the rules are in place, you got you to gotta play by the rules. So according to the rules and according to that – Um, Brian Bowen should never play college basketball. And I think that is a likely um, outcome. On the other hand, if you take that position, what you're essentially doing is saying it is possible that this 18-year-old, 19-year-old young person didn't know anything about what adults well above his head were doing, how they were conspiring to get him to pick a school. He did, as they wanted him to do. And they got caught, and now he's caught in a situation, and we are ripping away the college basketball career that he dreamed of and wanted. And who benefits from that? Like, who you're you're rooting against a young person, and that seems odd to me, particularly from me, because I'm usually rooting for young people. Like I'm always on the side of the player, whether it's a um, a player at Oakland or a player at. Uh, Army or a player wherever. Like, I'm always for the young person. So, if I'm going strictly by the NCAA rulebook here, that puts me pushing against Brian Bowen ever getting to do what he wants to do, which is play college basketball. So, I guess what I'm saying is I'm conflicted on this one. I don't know what I want the outcome to be. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does. The NCAA is in an interesting spot here because it cannot, if it opts to sort of change any sort of rules, it's not going to be the rules. Uh, that you're pushing for here, what it will then uh, probably have discussions about, and they will go nowhere, is, okay, should we have a rule in place that holds the parents of recruits to the same standard level that we currently hold coaches in that coaches can no longer say, I didn't know. No, you were responsible for your entire staff. If anyone cheats, it is on your watch, and it is your responsibility. We're never going to get to that point in the NCAA rulebook for a lot of reasons. One of which, um, the fact of the matter is, a lot of these uh, recruits will come from broken homes. They'll come from uh, you know, a single mom or single dad home. They have an, they you know, they have little contact with one of their other parents. Might not even be living with their actual parents. The fact of the matter is, you will have realities where you will have people trying to uh, play themselves into a role in which. Uh, One coach, you know, described it to me as like, these parents, you know, they want juice, man. They just want juice in this process, and sometimes they'll do anything that they can to ensure that they're as much of a part of the process as their children. Um, it It is too difficult a situation, and it's really outside of the jurisdiction of the NCAA to do so. So we will not, in my opinion, ever get to a point where the NCAA can actually, with any sort of merit, say, okay, if you're a recruit, and your parent or your guardian or whomever your representative is winds up taking money or any sort of impermissible benefit. you are automatically ineligible so Bowen's situation is not going to um, change the way the rule book works in that regard. I do think that those discussions will be had they ultimately will go nowhere um, but it is it is interesting uh, given everything that happened, it would be um, I think a little bit of a bitter pill for people that want to see uh, cheating eradicated as much as it possibly can be. Um, but if you if you had me pick a most likely scenario, my most likely scenario would be he doesn't play. But if he's on the floor, mark me down that he, the first time we see him in uniform is like the fall of 2019. Like the start yeah. of, of not this upcoming season, but the one after that, because also we don't know how long this is going... lasting GP, we don't know how long this is going to happen. They're going to file for reinstatement papers. The NCAA is going to look at everything that's on the record right now about what went wrong there, okay? And then they're going to make a decision. But then what's going to happen, probably, is that the NCAA is going to start a separate investigation into Bowen and look into his entire history of his recruitment long before he ever got to Louisville. What could that possibly uncover? And... If his father doesn't talk to the NCAA, which his father has no mandate to do, how will that impact the case and how Bowen is penalized? This is just the start Mm -hmm. of a really long process.
0: Well, I can say this, I think, definitively. If his father refuses to cooperate with the NCAA, he'll never play college basketball. Because what the NCAA will do then is just say, we are investigating an obviously high-profile case. Uh, To to complete our investigation, we need to talk to the father. And if the father doesn't want to cooperate— We'll just sit here until he does. I mean, this is what they did with Renardo Sidney for the longest time. You know, they were like, Renardo Sidney's parents were like, we're not giving you these bank records. And they were like, OK, but we can't complete our investigation until you do. So we'll just be sitting here waiting on you. And so Brian Bowen's case will just stay open forever. Uh, so the father's going to have to talk. Now, it doesn't mean the father has to tell the truth. I mean, the father can say whatever he wants to say, but if but if the father refuses to cooperate, he will never, ever, ever under any circumstances play college basketball. That's the thing. Um, When you are a student athlete or the parent of a student athlete or a college coach, you are obligated to talk to the NCAA. Um, If you know once you're gone, you don't have to. It's why Derek Rose never had to talk to the NCAA. He was long gone by the time they got to that point. Uh, but John Calipari did have to talk to the NCAA. Aaron Kraft in the Tennessee investigation did have to talk to the NCAA because he was still a student athlete. So if Brian Bowen ever wants to play college basketball, he's got to talk, um, and his father is going to have to talk to the NCAA. So there's that. Um, to your point about holding – you know, coaches – head coaches are now held accountable for what their assistants do, which I think is an obvious move in the right direction – I, I think it's a little apples and oranges to say that an 18 seventeen or 18 year old is responsible for everything his parents do the same way a head coach is responsible for the grown men he hires to be on his staff I, like uh, i I'm okay with it. I'm okay with with the rule being that way, but I don't think it's quite the same thing as expecting Frank Martin Frank Martin is expected to be held accountable for anything his assistants do. You know, is a, is every you know should should my kid be held responsible for everything that I do? I, I think that's slightly different. Although the rules the rules are in place for a reason, and the reason is because if you say, well, kids aren't responsible for their what their parents do, or for what their summer coach does, or for what their high school coach does, well, then it just frees up the parents and the high school coach to do whatever they want to do, to go get whatever they can get. So the rules have to be this way for for an obvious purpose. But I guess I would bottom line it this way. If you tell me, Brian, if you sincerely believe, like if the investigation goes forward and the story is as Brian Bowen tells it right now, which is, hey, listen, uh, you know, my, my, and I think this is the way even South Carolina would argue the story. Yeah, the father did what he did. Like we ain't trying to argue against the FBI. But the kid knew nothing about it. If, you know, and, and so here we are. If you told me the the end game there was he never plays college basketball, and the lesson for everybody is, hey, parents, if you want to protect your sons or daughters, amateurism, um, and you want to ensure they can do what it is they want to do, which is go to college and play basketball or football or anything else, don't screw it up for them. You are responsible for them. Do not screw it up. If you go down that path, understand what you're risking. And if you get called, don't come to us and say, well, don't punish my son for something I did. No, we're telling you up front, we will punish your son for something you do. So don't do it. I'm fine with that. Honest. I will not write a column saying, oh, the NCAA is wrong. If Brian Bowen never plays college basketball and the NCAA says, simply put, his father did something that he knew was in violation of NCAA rules and his father put his son's college career in jeopardy. We didn't, his father did. We're holding him accountable. This is the way it works. I'm completely okay with that. On the other hand, if you also told me this, I think I'd be okay with it. If you said, okay, like obviously this is a unique situation. We genuinely do not believe that the kid knew. We're going to take two years of eligibility. In other words, he misses this whole season. He misses all of next season. And if he wants to start playing for South Carolina, in the 2019-2020 season, with two years of eligibility, we're okay with that because what that does is not rip away somebody's entire college basketball opportunity for something we don't believe he was aware of. But it is also a severe yeah. punishment. I think I
1: would be okay with that too. I would. Be, I would. I would absolutely as well. Um, yeah, I think that's the fair. That's the point I made short of making earlier. I think that's the fairest outcome for Bowen. I think. But yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's about as good as he could hope for. And I think it's very reasonable. And so maybe this isn't the 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 right thing to say when you're a columnist opinion maker. Um, but I would be okay if the, if he never plays college basketball, I'm okay with that. Blame the dad. And if Brian Bone wants to be mad at somebody, don't be mad at Rick Patino, don't be mad at Adidas, don't be mad at the NCAA. Look at your father. He did this to you. But if they just punish him, they say, Hey, two years. You can play in 2019-20. If you're serious about being a student-athlete, serious about playing college basketball, you have to face a punishment. But we're not going to put you on death row. Like, you know, you, you, you've got an opportunity to play college basketball. It will start in 2019-20. You'll be a junior with two years of eligibility. I'm okay with that. I, I, I won't. I won't write a column criticizing the NCAA saying they went too light on him because it will be still a significant punishment. Missing two years of your college uh, basketball opportunity is a significant punishment. So uh, we'll leave it there, and we'll revisit it when we need to. A fresh new year has begun, and if you're setting new goals for your business, it's extremely difficult to reach them without the right people on your team. ZipRecruiter has transformed how you go about finding them. ZipRecruiter, post your job to more than 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. That's all it takes. And then ZipRecruiter actively looks for the most qualified candidates and invites them to apply. They even review every application to identify the top candidates so that you never, ever, ever miss a great match, which is why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other hiring sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on the right candidates finding you. It finds them for you. So it's no wonder that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter, they get a quality candidate through that site in just one day. ZipRecruiter It's the smartest way to hire. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, listeners of this podcast uh, can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. Absolutely free. That's right. Right now, just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash ION. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash ION. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash ION. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So, Earlier in the week, I guess it was yesterday, we posted our midseason awards. We had a player of the year, a freshman of the year, a coach of the year, most improved player of the year, and then also a five-team – a five-member All-America team. And the player of the year, freshman of the year, I don't even think there's any debate about it. We actually didn't debate it, full disclosure. We voted on everything else. Like, hey, is uh, you, uh, me – Cal Porter, not Cal no. Porter. Kyle Boone, Cal <laughs> Porter. Why did I say Cal Porter? Kyle Boone. Cal Porter also works It'd with be us. Cal Kyle Kyle Porter,
1: Cal <laughs> Porter dropping in Jordan Spieth to our first team All America. Cal Porter, <laughs> very talented golf writer at CBS Sports. Yes.
0: <laughs> I apologize, Cal Boone. Cal wow. Porter uh, did not have a vote. Cal uh, Boone did, and Reed Grieve, of course. And uh, we voted on everything else uh, on uh, Player of the Year and Freshman of the Year. We uh, just said it's Trey Young. Like, let's just go ahead and slot that and be done with it because you, there's not a sensible alternative answer at this point in the season. Um, but we did have an interesting debate on Coach of the Year, and I really do think um, there are a bunch of reasonable candidates for that award. We went with Lon Kruger. Basically, we we were down to Lon Kruger and Chris Beard, and they happen to be playing on Tuesday night. Yeah. So, so I don't he know said, that we whoever actually, wins, it's getting it. I mean, that's basically what we said. Whoever wins, and I don't know that that's the smart way to do it, but that is what we did. Like, whoever wins that game between Texas Tech and Oklahoma, that'll be our midseason coach of the year. Because the truth is, uh, Texas Tech was picked seventh in the Big 12, uh, but Oklahoma was picked sixth in the Big 12. And so they were you know, rated similarly in the preseason, and they've had similar seasons to date. So a winner uh, is the tiebreaker, and it happened to be Oklahoma, obviously. Probably. Frankly, because they were playing at home as opposed to Lubbock. Like, if that game would have just been in Lubbock, the Big 12 schedule makers put it there. Chris Beard, midseason coach of the year. Um, but we wanted Lon Kruger, but it could have been Chris Beard. Um, if you were coming up with other options right now, where would you go after Lon Kruger or Chris Beard?
1: There's a lot. That's There's the, a lot. I, I, that's the thing. Right now, maybe we get to the end of the season. And usually in most years, I feel like you got about three guys by the time you get to. The start of the NCAA tournament that are usually jockeying. Sometimes you have like no-brainers. You know, like when Greg Marshall got Wichita State undefeated and all that right. stuff. Um, Tony Bennett would be on that list. Uh, Bruce Pearl has to be on that list right now. Yep.
0: Um, I'll, I'll tell you right now. I made a list of eleven, and you just oh my made gosh. Two. You got to
1: hold on. Hold on, let me. Let's do a. You're looking at your list of eleven right now. I am. Let me see if I can get. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do let's, 12 let's, guesses. Let's, Let me see if I can get 11. Go until you miss.
0: Go okay. until you miss. All right. So okay, we, we're so counting Kruger we, and Beard. Yeah, we got Kruger and Beard. All yes. Right.
1: Pearl and Bennett. Okay. Pearl and Bennett are
0: both on the list.
1: Okay. That's four. Huggins. Bruce Pearl, by the way, just for some context, okay. um, Auburn was
0: picked ninth in the SEC, and that's when they had a roster. <laughs> a full roster featuring Austin Wiley. And uh, and obviously they don't have two of their best players and they're still ranked in the top 25 right now. He definitely belongs on the list. Tony Bennett uh, at Virginia, they were picked sixth in the ACC. Uh, they're ranked in the top five right now. You've got four of the 11. Okay, Go-
1: my only question is this. Are all of the coaches on your list coaches that like weren't necessarily in the top 15 or so in the AP poll and for generally speaking their team record is better than most would have expected at this point in the season or no no, no. no. okay so you might have coaches that are actually just expected to be good and and they still are good yes okay well, I'll, so I'll I'll give you Huggins because
0: I because because I've always thought you can't just like I agree rem- like,
1: I, I, like I, part I agree. Of, part of being but this is I you watch like
0: if you go and we've talked about this before but like Billy Donovan I I think had two national championships before he ever had a sec coach of the the year year award. Yeah. Like, it's just crazy to me. And the, the argument would be, well, he was supposed to be good and he was good. Um, and this other guy wasn't supposed to be good, and he overachieved, so let's give it to him. Well, part of coaching is putting together awesome teams. In fact, that's the major part of coaching. And so to rip away Coach of the Year awards for, from guys simply because they built incredible teams that were supposed to be incredible, and then they were, but this other guy overachieved with a crap roster, I don't like doing that. So I do think you've got to have guys who were supposed to be great and are great on the list, and I do have some of those guys on the list. Right. You mentioned Bob Huggins?
1: Yes. Yes, Okay. on the so list. So five for five. I'm a, I got to give you Chris Holtman.
0: Definitely on the list. They were picked 11th in the Big Ten, and they are now in the CBS Sports Top 25 and
1: 1. All right, 6 for 6. I got to give you Brad Brownell. He's on
0: there. They were picked 13th. Clemson was in the ACC, and they are, um, even You know, despite last night's loss at NC State, lost by a point, missed free throw at the buzzer, um, they're still having an unbelievable year ranked in the Top 25.
1: I believe that's 7 for 7. I got to give you Bobby Hurley.
0: Bobby Hurley is on the list. They were picked sixth in the Pac-12. They lost last night. Obviously, that's three of their last four. But still, uh, any coach of the year list, got to have Bob Hurley on. All
1: right, that's eight for eight. Now, who are the other three? All right, I'm going to oh, – man, that's a tough one. I don't think you would have gone with him. All right, I will give you Jay Wright. Do you have Jay Wright on there? I do. Okay, I, I know they were picked first in the Big East, but like –
0: they're ranked number one in the country they're coming off another blowout win over Xavier they I I think not only are ranked number one they should be ranked number one and you know to discount what he's doing because we thought he would be good is to um ignore the fact that he's got Villanova consistently ranked number one in the country for like the past three years Mm -hmm. Uh, he deserves to be on the list
1: Man, okay, now it starts to get tricky here. I feel I might might slip up, but I'm going to give you Jamie Dixon.
0: I do not have Jamie Dixon. And the reason was, um, I mean, I might have had him on the list two weeks ago, but they've lost some games here. And if you go look at where TCU was picked in the Big 12, I I think it was like third or fourth. Like, they were supposed
1: to be good. Yeah, yeah, they were. were. Okay, I figured that was going to be a slip up. How about, I might... I don't think you'd have this guy on the list, but I'm trying to like.
0: Now, let me, let me say this about Jamie. I could actually go back to my argument for Jay Wright and apply it to Jamie Dixon. Like, I, which is, yeah. which is, yo, man, he's got TCU good. Just like, forget that TCU was supposed to be good. The idea that TCU is good is pretty remarkable. Okay. You could put him on the list reasonably. I just didn't put him on the list.
1: All right, I think I'm in my eight for nine or nine for 10 right now.
0: I think you're nine for 10. Okay. There are
1: two more. Yeah. Outfits. I, I got to think you have Matt painter on that list. I do not. But wow. You could, I know. I know. What about – okay, the that, only other one that's like off the board. Who I, I, think... I had
0: just got Purdue fans back on my side after po- using the politex column to uh, to take aim at somebody who wasn't rating Purdue properly, and now I just left Matt Painter off the list. I'm probably in the doghouse All again. Right, so
1: I could not go for 11 for 12. All right, the only other – like one that's kind of off the board, but I'm wondering if you would have had it there. Hold on. let me. When did you make the list? Last night. Yeah, see, I don't know if you would have had that guy on the list then because his team lost on Tuesday. Did you put Kevin Willard on the list? No. Okay. Um, who, uh, GP, I got to get this. Uh, do you have Izzo on the list? No. Okay, I didn't think you did. Um, you don't. I, I'm going to say you don't have Krzyzewski. I'm going to say you don't no. have you know, a few. Um nope. I don't think you have Greg Marshall on this list. I do have Greg Marshall you on the list. You do have Greg Marshall on this list right now? Okay.
0: Yeah, I mean they're in the top ten. They're Wichita State. They've moved to the American Athletic Conference, which is a level up, and they're just killing everybody.
1: They are. Um, the- and oh,
0: and they did. They did most of this without Marcus McDuffie.
1: I know that's that's certainly worth noting. The only other one, and I would not have. My guess is going to be you have Rick Barnes. I would not have him on the list at this point. I don't think they've been consistent enough. Is that, is that right? is the 11th person okay. on the list. They were picked
0: 13th in the SEC. I know. I know. I know. in the top 25 right now.
1: Yeah. No. He's done. He's done a really good job. I just don't. I wouldn't. I would not have him right now on that list. Uh, but it's also it's a list of 11 deep. What'll be interesting here is two months from now, what coaches are nowhere near it, and if they're. See, it's hard. Like if you. Here's the one thing. Like if you're not on this list at this point. I you need just a ridiculous run, like for example, like Arizona. Sean Miller's not on the list right now. Arizona never losing again for the rest of the conference season would get him into that conversation. Xavier somehow never losing again for the rest of the Big East season would get Chris Mack onto that list. But barring like you know going undefeated in league play from here on out or losing maybe one game, uh, I think it's a pretty safe bet that one of the eleven guys we've talked about will wind up being the coach of the year.
0: I would bet on one of those 11. And obviously 11 deep is a pretty deep list. Like, you know, I could probably give you a list of 11 teams, and one of them is going to win the national championship. So, um, you know, we're not too far out on a limb here. But the list of 11 – Painter um, should be are, on that list, by
1: the way. But. I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. The,
0: okay, let's – hey, for the sake of Purdue But fans, you hate Purdue. Might,
1: so, no, this is no and, surprise. It's typical and, and, Purdue hating on the <laughs> boilers. It's been going strong since 85. It is so funny. Some of the
0: tweets I get literally every day about people saying, "I the hate is real about their school." I'm like, "What are you even talking about?" Like, I just, I swear to God, if people knew how much I don't hate their school, like I don't even care. Like I don't care about. It's not that I don't. It's not that I hate. I don't hate your school. I don't even think about your school. Like I don't care about your school. But every day somebody tell him, somebody's trying to explain to me why it is that I hate their school or hate their coach or whatever. The list. Let's make it twelve. And let's put Matt Painter right at the top. (laughs) Followed by Lon Kruger, Chris Beard, Bob Hurley, Rick Barnes, Chris Holtman, Jay Wright, Tony Bennett, Bob Huggins, Greg Marshall, Brad Bernal, and Bruce Pearl. That would be my list of 12, 12 Coach of the Year candidates right now. We got some interesting games scheduled for this weekend. Um, I'll run through some of the ones that I found more interesting, then I'll ask you a question. You got number uh, number 16, TCU, at number 9, Oklahoma. Number 2, West Virginia, At number 8, Texas Tech. Number 25, Creighton. At number 10, Xavier. Number 18, Miami. At number 19, Clemson. Number 22, Auburn. At Mississippi State. Texas A&M. At number 24, Tennessee. Here's the question. Of those road teams, so the road teams are TCU, West Virginia, Creighton, Miami, Auburn, and A&M. Which one's got the best opportunity to to get a road win?
1: TCU, Miami, Creighton, Auburn, A&M. West Virginia, West Virginia, uh, Auburn, looking good. Auburn at
0: Mississippi State.
1: Yeah, that's my pick. Um, Auburn's this is something right now, man. They are fifteen and one. Yeah. 3 you know, in that the SEC, incri- that's a game that a lot of people are probably aren't going to watch on Saturday. They could be sixteen and freaking one. I mean, that's just that's beyond. What anyone would have possibly thought. Um, you know, I did this thing on Pearl like two and a half weeks ago because they were good at the time. And he told me, he's like, listen, we've we've managed to to do this. And I don't have a full roster. We're not a big team. We've got some serious challenges ahead in league play. I hope that we can kind of keep up what we've been able to do. And to this point, they have. That win at Tennessee on January 2nd was was a big-time one. Now they have at Mississippi State, at Bama, home to Georgia, at Missouri. An interesting stretch here. Um, but of all the teams you mentioned, and we have a uh, interesting, interesting weekend of college hoops ahead, Auburn would be my pick. What about you?
0: Yeah, I think that's probably the smart pick. Um, you know, they'll probably be favored in that game, whereas TCU is not going to be favored at Oklahoma. West Virginia is not going to be favored, I don't think, at Texas Tech, even though West Virginia is ranked second in the country. Uh, Creighton's not going to be favored at Xavier. Miami is not going to be favored at Clemson. Uh, AM, I don't think, would be favored at Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah, no, I can't see that. Not, yeah. man. They're staring down. Right. We talked
1: about this in the last podcast. They're staring down 0 5 in the league. Like no. Right.
0: So I, I think Auburn is the one team that's going to be, of those of those teams, that's going to be favored on the road. So that's probably the smart pick. But um, I could see Miami winning at Clemson, and I could see AM winning at Tennessee. Because a John Rothstein said this the other night um, when we were doing Inside College Basketball on CBS Sports Network. He still believes a and is the most talented team in the SEC and the most likely team from the SEC. If one gets hot and gets to the Final Four, he still thinks a and is the most likely candidate for that, even though they are 0-4 in the SEC right now. So – if you subscribe to that at all, it's not crazy to think A&M could go into, let's just strip away what we've seen this season, could go into a place where the home team was picked 13th in the preseason poll and win. Like, that's not that's not bananas. And keep in mind that A&M team is still the only team to beat West Virginia all year long.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, I'll disagree with Rothstein there. If you gave me a team, I would actually pick Florida. Um, perhaps, you know, I'm influenced by the fact that I saw Florida up close three times earlier this season in Portland, and they're... Jekyll and Hydish but once uh, they get fully healthy there, um, you know, they were good in the tournament last year. I, I like their chances. Uh, real quick here, I just want to, like, I don't know if listeners realize just how stacked this weekend is. Like, first of all, Friday night Marquette Butler. Butler needs that game. That's a home game for the Bulldogs. They've defeated Villanova. Marquette, we talked about how interesting they are. Hey, listen, watch this game if you're home on a Friday because Marquette's a lot of fun. Butler has lost three straight after starting 2-0 in the Big East, and as we talked about on, that, on the podcast, I was there for the Villanova game. You know, they escaped with the double OT win at Georgetown, got a huge, impressive Villanova win, and that <laughs> crazy how that Ohio State non-conference win at PK-80 is aging so well right now, and I think we'll get to Ohio State next week on the podcast if they can keep doing good things here. But Butler needs this home win because then they're at Providence, at DePaul. So that's actually a fairly vital game for the Bulldogs on Friday. Um, On Saturday, though, as early as 11 a.m., you've got Bonaventure at Rhode Island. Those are the two most interesting, talented teams in the A-10. That's an 11 a.m. tip. And then up and down the slate, like Baylor at Iowa State, it's not like a marquee game, but the, the Big 12 is just... It's so tricky that Baylor, you know, they they got to try and steal that game there. Michigan State nearly lost at home to Rutgers. Now it brings in Michigan. Can the Spartans dodge that? That's a noon tip. Um, Alabama is a weird freaking team, and LSU is red hot. The Tide plays at 830 on Saturday night at LSU. Uh, If LSU wins that game, we might have to just reassess how we're looking at the SEC and what that league is doing in terms of setting itself up for bids down the road. I think it's pretty intriguing. The Mountain West... It's probably not going to be a one-bid league this year, but San Diego State probably needs to go and try and steal one at Boise State. Both those teams, they need to win all the games that they should be winning in order to help that league out and get the most possible bids there. Kentucky's got a tricky one at Vanderbilt. Uh, Virginia Tech at Louisville, like, I don't even know what's going to happen with that game. UNC plays at Notre Dame, but Notre Dame doesn't have Bonzi Colson. Like, it would be a really huge opportunity for them to get one at home. I think that's a total toss up. I have no idea on that one. That's a six o'clock tip on Saturday. So, on top of all the games GP mentioned, it's just if if you've got nothing to do or if the weather's going to be bad where you're at like it, it is a 12 hour college hoops day up and down we will not be short on anything that we're talking about what i would think would be on the sunday podcast sunday's pretty light gp um there's not a ton happening there can ohio state just dodge a loss at Rutgers. There's no guarantee of that, um, but it would be a big, they'll be ranked if they win that game in the poll, by the way, if they win that game, the Buckeyes, they will be a top 25 team come Monday. Um, but otherwise there's not really a ton there. And Saturday is where you're stacked. It's it's from a volume standpoint, we have not had more games on one day of college basketball at this point this season than what we have in Saturday.
0: Uh, Baylor's interesting because they are the one five loss team that I have ranked in the top 25 and one, the five losses, check this out. Xavier, Wichita State, Texas Tech, TCU, West Virginia—all five losses are to nationally ranked teams. Yeah, and and a- by
1: the way, shout out to uh, to to Scott Drew for doing what he's doing there because they have they had a player quit the team like three days into the season. They had a player with a with a hand issue. I think they only have nine scholarship players. And I, by the way, I think Scott Drew's wife is like a huge fan of the podcast, too. So shout out <laughs> to her. But, um, but what I'm getting at here, GP, is you mentioned that, like, those are all really respectable losses. And yeah. I, maybe it's because Baylor doesn't have a star, maybe because it's just not a star program, even though it's a successful program. Uh, we just don't talk about the Bears as issues in that kind of regard. But that's the kind of stuff that, honestly, it, it makes a huge impact. And I think a lot of other programs, if they only had nine scholarship players, um, available for basically the entire season and we're dealing with injuries. Like, I think they've only recently in the past like week, like gotten fully healthy for what they have. Um, I think we'd hear about it more, but we just don't hear about it with Baylor. So for them to do what they've done is huge. But they're going to have to try and steal this one at Iowa State because most other programs are not going to go on the road and steal those victories. And right now, uh, I think you're right to have them where you have them overall. But they could be, in my opinion, Baylor, if we looked up, like I think they could be as high as fourth or as low as eighth in the Big 12 by the end of the season. I think they've got a wide spectrum.
0: So they got wins over Creighton, Texas, and then the five losses are all – I it it might sound a little backwards saying a great loss, but in terms of the way you look at a resume, they're all quality losses. Like they don't they haven't taken a bad loss yet. But to your point, um, there's almost nowhere you can be expected to go win on the road in the Big 12. Uh, But Iowa State in this particular season is one of those places. So they need to go uh, go get that one because road wins are, are incredibly difficult to come by in that league. Um, They got an opportunity to get one uh, at a place this weekend where you are supposed to. If you're a legitimate top 25 team, you're supposed to go get it. I suspect they will, um, but they definitely uh, need to. And, by the way, and we'll get out of here after this, if Oklahoma beats uh, TCU, which is expected because it's in Norman, and if Texas Tech beats West Virginia, which is expected because Texas Tech will be favored in the games in Lubbock, and then Kansas, inside Allen Fieldhouse, beats Kansas State, we will have a four-way tie atop the Big
1: 12 between Oklahoma,
0: West Virginia, Texas Tech, and yes, the Kansas we'll, Jayhawks.
1: Uh, we'll, we'll readdress that. Trust me, that's a weekly thing. But we'll wait for the next podcast before we get out of here. Home to TCU, Trey Young over under. Let's do it. Oh. One, let's do it again. I will set this. Now Trey has had what's what's so damn funny is that like he has had his his roughest two game stretch of his of his precious young career. Uh yeah, he's averaging 28 points in that. Now granted he has not been as efficient, but um he's he's had 12 turnovers total in the past two games, still averaging 7 assists. Like this is this is his rough stretch. So, home against TCU, I'm going to set the over under. I'm going to tempt you here. Uh I'll say 31.5 points and 8.5 and assists for Trey Young. Do you dare take both overs?
0: What's the assist again? This is one of those eight moments where half. I wasn't listening yeah,
1: to. Yeah, I, I listen, we've gotten this far, and I'm impressed with it. Eight eight 8.5 assists against TCU and 31.5 yeah. points. I'm going over and over over and over. Okay, he has not t- he's t- gone t- three t- straight t- games t- not, not without hitting 30 just so we know. So we think the streak ends there. Okay.
0: Yeah, uh, because here's the deal. T- TCU plays at a pretty decent tempo. Um they're not good defensively. They're they're terrific offensively. They're not good defensively. And um so like if you were ever going to get back going at home against a team with a uh a a sub 100 defensive efficiency rating like that's where you do it right
1: i'm with you i am i'm i'm confidently over on 31 and a half and eight and a half for for trey young and uh we shall see that that could be a fun one it also it could get out of hand there but uh but we'll see i love trey young over under (laughs) <laughs> we'll continue to play it uh, whenever we remember to play it. Shouts
0: exactly. to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Teagle. Shouts to Kyle Porter. Shouts to Kyle Booth. <laughs> and remember, you can subscribe to the Iowa College Basketball Podcast. Please rate it favorably. Five stars with nice comments. That's all I ask from you. We'll do this three times a week. All I ask in return is that you go rate it five stars and write nice, nice and complimentary uh, things. We will talk to you again on Sunday night.
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: We'll talk to you again on Sunday night. Till then, take care.